Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Link to Witchcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode 109, and we're talking about vehicle kits. And what we mean by that is kind of the stuff we take in our vehicles, or we recommend you take in your vehicles, or just the items generally floating around your vehicle for when you're out doing the bushcrafting thing or hunting camping or just back roadsing or anything like that um so for me i guess it's uh my emergency supplies if you would call it that but it's not really emergency supplies in my eyes it's basically what i carry in the vehicle uh it's my day-to-day -day stuff and uh i think you're much the same are you not ben uh yeah more or less i I've been really playing with this a lot, and, and I do have a video, I think, on YouTube where I do talk about some of the stuff I have and that I want to do, and, and it's something I'm trying to get into more and more. Um, and, and yes, some of it's modular in mine. Like some of it I can actually grab components of it and just take it away from the vehicle and put it back depending on my mood or, or the, uh, the mode of operation that vehicle is expected to do for the day. So I don't need all my gear to go to and from work i'm probably not leaving pavement that's not to say it's not always there because sometimes i'm just too lazy but uh there is is that aspect to it plus it just looks awesome right and i mean i'm i'm kind of spoiled because i do got a truck i got a toolbox on the truck and the toolbox is basically dedicated to my to all my junk stuff you know what i mean so that's where most of the stuff that's sitting over here came out of uh as i was saying before we came on the show there's some things under my rear seat i didn't bother taking out for the show simply because it would involve taking out the car seat uh taking all my fire gear out and all that stuff and it was just kind of a pain in the butt so i grabbed the stuff that was immediately available directly out of the toolbox and like i said i'm kind of spoiled because i do got that toolbox which makes it real easy access and a ton of extra storage for me to keep this stuff with me uh pretty much 100 percent of the time like this stuff rarely comes out so um, but it, it's, it's kind of essential to have a plan when you're going to the unknown. And that's, that's kind of, you know, the goal for a lot of what we do is we want to get out there and see something new. So you can't predict exactly what you're going to come across because you haven't been there before. You don't know there's so many unknowns. And I think that's really the draw for us is not knowing so we we prep and prepare as best we can and and some of the things we're going to talk about today uh compose compose of the overall strategy for how if things go wrong we are going to come out of this in the best possible situation so uh, no i completely yeah. agree and i i guess without too much further ado uh, we might as well kick into some of the basic items that should probably be in all the day-to-day -day vehicles, even if you're just running up the pavement. And there are a couple things in there. Uh, I know we haven't had really a chance to talk about them, but you've got one of them floating right up there. So the first one uh, that, I, that I'd recommend, and I didn't pull it in because, once again, it's one of those harder items to get to for me, and mine are also 16 feet long and heavy-duty, is a set of jumper cables. Almost an essential to keep in your vehicle, regardless of where you're going. Yeah, um... Either a set of jumper cables are, are awesome. I generally always have one or two sets available. Uh, and and it, it definitely helps. The other thing you can kind of have thrown in there is a power supply box, like the the ones with the jumper cables on and the own battery, because sometimes you're just not going to have that second vehicle, uh, at least for me. I don't always have the body to plug into. And if you're 
really back there and that's where you kill your battery, then you can be left a little up up the creek. And they have some pretty awesome things. I don't know if we have any loaded up for the end, but they have little booster boxes that aren't much bigger than a pack of cigarettes that will start a car. I'm sure I can get one up quick enough here. But yeah, I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah, uh, just like this. And this is actually a pretty good price. This one uh, that I'm pulling up here. Uh, let me flip over. Hopefully this works out all right. Yeah, there we go. So this one here, um, it's saying it can't be delivered to my address because my address is a P.O. box. But any case, uh, this is only $89.97. It's a basic one. It's the small end of these. They do run up into like the four and $500 mark and stuff like that, depending on how much power you want to get out of these. But this is kind of literally the, the booster pack. I think this yeah. is what you're talking about, right? Yeah, there's one. This is a, this is a very good example of one, actually. Uh, I've seen them that, that look a little less rugged than this one, and I've seen them that are bigger, like you say, the four or $500 ones. Some of them have small inverters on them. They can charge your cell phone. They can do quite a bit. But the big thing is this one will start your car, and it'll fit in your glove box. Like, you can literally poke it away and forget about it, and uh, it's capable of... of I just want to say I'm cringing at this photo. The two leads connected to each other. That's just like, oh, don't do that. But uh, (laughs) this one comes with a flashlight. It has a little inverter on the end, just like you said, a USB. So, yeah, this and literally $89.97. I guess the regular price on it's $134.93. I didn't do a whole lot of research on this. It was the first one I pulled up. And they're claiming this is good up to, I think it said a four liter engine. Yeah, four liter gas engine. So, I mean, that's a fairly good size engine. Um, and then, of course, you can uh, get the, the larger ones to accommodate larger vehicles. Like, I, I wouldn't want to go try and start, like, a, a diesel Cummins or something with this one. Probably not going to have the cranky amperage required. But also know your vehicle and purchase accordingly. But, yeah, I mean, this this is a concept of something that, like, you had in any vehicle that, you know... You could get yourself out of a jam and not have to depend on someone else because you know even in a parking lot like i've i don't know if you, i've been broken down in a parking lot before and asked for a boost from people and like some people look at you like i think they'd have rather given you your first child like they <laughs> you know you can get some strange looks when you ask for a boost like oh no that'll hurt my car and uh i don't know you like why are you talking to me like you get some weird responses so the old stranger danger that's for sure yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm not popping my hood up for you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have so much to say and I'm just biting my tongue. <laughs> I know, right? I just beat you every time, don't I? <laughs> but no, I it, it's a good point. And truth be told, the center jumper cables that I made for my truck probably came in at significantly more than this. Uh, I made the set of jumper cables for my truck. I went and bought the ends. I bought uh, 16, well, I should say dad did, uh, and I stole them from him, fair and square. <laughs> uh, there are 16 feet of, um, what is it, a 440 welding cable. So, yeah. I mean, it's like the size of my thumb. Uh, they were originally built for jumping the bulldozer and 18 wheelers. So, I mean, they're super heavy duty, and I scoffed them as the first chance I got. Uh, and uh, I denied having them right up until he made another set, and then I told him I did have them, and things were great. So, <laughs> But if you do have the availability, that's the way to do jumper cables, too, because sometimes the, the little the skimpy pairs you get in those uh, backseat kits and stuff like that that you can get at Walmart for, like, $24.99, um, 
they'll, they'll do in a pinch for real small engines. It's much like this jumper pack you're getting here. Uh, know your vehicle, know the current that's going to go through it. For jumping a lawnmower, motorcycle, something like that, yeah, I wouldn't hesitate to use them. For jumping like my truck, yeah, I might I might hesitate a little bit. The, they can get pretty warm. Yeah, and, and I think what a lot of people just don't understand with electricity is bigger is better. Uh, the bigger your wiring, the less resistance, the better the flow. Like some people think that it's going to get so big and you won't be able to power that wire. It doesn't work that way. That's not how electrons work. So the, the bigger the wire, the better your flow is going to be, the less loss you're going to get over that. So a long, thin wire will put up a lot more resistance than a short, fat wire. Yes, and, and that's how you good. get heat and degradation. That's why a lot of wires burn, and uh, kind of on topic, semi-off topic, that's how a lot of people that wire in their own home uh, car stereos uh, end up burning them up. They use too thin yeah. a wire for the, the resistor, or not the resistors, the um, transistor, coil, coil packs, coil overs, uh, and they end up melting because they can't handle the heat and the, because they're not big enough to handle the current that's being put through them. Yeah, a small uh, a small wire will heat up, and I've seen I've seen jumper cables get so hot you can't touch them. I've seen them melt the insulation off them. I've seen them smoke uh, marble usually. I think players. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, but yeah, like there's some options here for sure. Um, jumper cables are great; they're awesome, and and there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with a set. Uh, power stations like. You know something small like you have up there or even the bigger ones with a few add-ons just know that every add-on you get is going to add to both bulk and somewhat reduce the efficiency overall and, and i by that i mean if it's doing five or six jobs chances are you, it's not going to be able to do all of them all the time you're going to be you're going to have to choose which one you want basically at a time so if you're using it as an inverter, chances are you're not going to have a ton of power for boosting later. Unless you're no, charging. And, and very good point. Uh, and I guess my secret reason for carrying, not secret, I guess, my backup reason for carrying uh, booster cables is for that uh, little video I sent you. I have also since moved on to potentially storing a second battery in my truck. And with two batteries, a set of jumper cables, uh, you can actually do minor spot welding. Uh, if you're any good at stick welding and I'm not going to say that it's, uh, you know, easy. I've never tried it. I definitely want to try it. It's on my list of stuff to try before I, you know, the stuff is in there now. Remember how I told you I was going to start throwing stuff in there? Well, it's in there now, but I want to awesome. try it at home to make sure I don't one blow myself up and two that I can actually do it. And I'm not thinking I could weld like the frame or something like that. I'm thinking if you had like, maybe not so much in my new truck, at least I hope, but in my old truck, uh, if your exhaust got knocked off or something like that, like a coupling came apart, you lost a, a U-bolt to hold the exhaust together. You could at least put a tack on it to keep it from dangling around on the ground or sacrificing a phone charging cable, which I have done in the past to tie it up. Uh, you know, just minor, minor things or worst or somebody else's. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's a great idea. And, and I actually love the idea of a second uh, battery in your vehicle. And when I had my Silverado, uh, it actually already had the place to mount a second battery. Like, all I had to do was get a clamp-down kit. There was already a plate and everything there. And uh, I had gotten 90% of everything to do. I even had the battery mounted in there for the longest time. 
and just not fully hooked up because I didn't have all the wiring quite figured out. Um, but I think it's an awesome idea. And honestly, if I was to do it now, I would probably be running one of like the lithium ion style, like the a deep cycle style battery mm. and a lead acid. And I would have them in isolated systems. Yeah, you'd have to get a cross T connector or something like that to make sure if you're going to isolate them off. But that that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but no, it, it's but, definitely a good idea if you have that available to you. And if you happen to have, uh, if you did come across somebody, you could pony the batteries together. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a little work involved, but it might potentially bail you out of a jam. Oh yeah, no, there's a, there's, you know, twenty four volts gives you a lot lot more options than twelve volts. If you can get forty eight volts, then you got, you really got something. Mm. right so uh so yeah jumper cables seem to be a no-brainer uh did you have anything else to say on the whole jump system like either a booster pack or jumper cables or do you want to kind of keep on trucking because there's a lot of stuff to cover no let's keep on trucking um just because you kind of brought that up and and here's something that really like to me is a no-brainer is a decent pump uh, yeah, so this is one I've done a fair bit of research on. I haven't actually pulled the trigger on this one. There's this one. I think this might be what the ninety-seven. Uh, let me see. Yeah, no, eighty-seven, eighty-seven P. Yeah, there's the eighty-seven P. Uh, there's a few reasons I like this one. This one is designed to hook straight to the battery. I have had a little bit of issues, and I've had a couple of conversations recently with my brother about this because they have another series, the eighty-four. And they're very similar pumps, but they, they run at about 15 amps. And what a lot of people don't realize is your cigarette lighters are oftentimes 10 amps mm -hmm. or 120 watts. So at 120 watts, your 15 amp pump is pushing that circuit. So what you're potentially going to do is burn out that fuse. Uh, and then you really have nothing. Uh, and you can damage other parts in your system. Your battery is able to pump out quite a bit more power. Uh, directly so if you hook straight to your battery you're gonna have a lot less worries and i would assume this actually has slightly larger wires to handle it uh, no and and i didn't drag my pump out because it's one of the things that's buried under my seat if i need it i'll go to it uh it's honestly a canadian tire special the uh, 29.99 you know just cheapy jobbies that go on sale for $19.99. However, I have stopped at an Irving Big Stop and got the uh, pigtail to, con to connect right to the battery, um, yes. which is how I went for it. Because same reason I, I was going to mention, and I'm glad you did, is a lot of cigarette lighters not designed to handle that. Uh, now, for instance, in my truck, the rear accessory port is supposed to handle that amount. I don't know if I'd trust it or not, but because uh, I think it's right on the 15 amp uh, fuse there and but in any case uh you can stop at the irving big stop that's where i got it i think you can buy the canadian tire and stuff like that but they want ridiculous amounts of money and it's literally just it's like a 12 volt cigarette lighter that comes out to a pigtail and two clips connect that to your battery it's direct 12 volt and it's on fused so i would recommend there is a fuse in most pumps or in the one that i have there is in the the cigarette lighter portion of it but i'd still recommend if you're able and you have the knowledge to maybe stick an inline fuse on the uh on the pigtails as well, which I have done. I know maybe overkill, but at least then I no, know I, something's going to go and not cook. You know what I mean? In fact, I, I have some plans of how I want this to work. Cause this, uh, this to me is an important part of 
of my overall potential system that I'm setting up. And I, and we will probably get to this shortly, but air pressure in your tires is, is fairly important. And getting a flat tire in the, in the woods is not uncommon. And, and uh, I've had it happen, not only in the woods, like in my driveway and spots. And having something you can grab and fill up your tire right away, deal with that problem. I also keep tire repair kits. So I have the, you know, the, the reamer and the, and the plugs, and I can patch a tire and get myself out. But you still need to be able to put air back into it. And this is a pump from all reviews and everything I found out that I really feel is going to handle some repeated abuse, but I've got the Canadian dollar specials and the Walmart specials and they will, they will last one, two, three times, but I've, I've had a lot of issues with them over the years. Like, I mean, you uh, get what you pay for on a certain level. If you're paying twenty nine ninety nine, expect it to be worth twenty nine ninety nine. You know what I mean? Now mine is an older one. Uh, and I keep waiting for it to crap out, but I've used it probably like two, 300 times still works flawlessly. So I think yeah. like mine's also 10 years old, so it might have been, you know, older stuff, better quality, don't know. But anyway, uh, I, I never expect it to work forever. <laughs> Every time I hook it up, I'm like, this could be it. This could be the last time she ever works. And one of the ones I have in mind, I've literally cut the cord a couple of times because that's where it failed. It just fails where it joins into the pump. But honestly, I think it actually gets so hot at that little location, it actually melts the rubber. And it very uh, well so, could. Like, I mean, once again, you're getting what you pay for. But uh, no, uh, a good, good little pump to pump up your tires and uh, really makes a huge difference. And sort of, I guess, if you don't mind, like a logical progression from this is if you're in the woods and you're in bad roads and you're having trouble because you're getting stuck, one of the, the first steps you can go to is dropping your tire pressure. And just while you're on that thought, actually, Red Bear Tactical said the exact same thing on the right, and I was hoping that you would go down that road as well. Uh, so just to bring attention to his two comments was he has a Smithy-built inflator uh, that's wicked, 5.3 cubic uh, CFM, which is cubic feet a minute, uh, and it clamps directly on the battery, like you were saying. And then he says he keeps a plug kit and deflators to drop the air pressure for better traction uh, on his Jeep in the bush, which is exactly where you're going. So I just wanted to give him a shout out on that, and I will bring up the deflators my deflator kit loaded up. So we're on the same page here. So this is a nice little kit. It has deflators. I think they're set up as you went. They're adjustable. You can adjust them, but you plug them in and they'll actually drop you to a set level. I think these are set at 20 or 14 PSI from. Yeah, this the says they're adjustable from six to 30. Yeah. Um, so you can adjust them. You can screw them out. And there's a little locking ring. You, you, yeah, got it there. So you screw these in. You can kind of set them and forget them. And they'll drop it to pressure. Honestly, once they've been in there for a few minutes, you can take them off. But here's the beauty. You're not sitting at each tire adjusting it. You screw these on, and you can talk to your buddy and then go over. When you hear them stop hissing, you can pull them off and put your regular caps on. The bad news I've got with these, I've been told, if you drive with them on, they sometimes get dirty, and they can lock in either the open or closed mm -hmm. position. So that's just all the more reason to pop them off, like you said, when you're done with them. Because it does come with a set of valve caps, as you can see there, too, to replace these when you're not using them. Yeah, and that's what I would do. But it also comes with a little pressure gauge that's apparently glow in the dark. It's a nice little kit, and I don't think it's that expensive. Thirty-eight ninety-nine. Uh, Can't right? complain with that. Now, if you want to get a luxury item, just going on the tail end off deflators, which I didn't bring up, but it kind of... 
I don't know if I'll find it right away or not, but it, it's uh, it's an all-wheel inflator kit. So basically, it's just a big fancy hose. It connects to all yeah. four tires, comes to one output. You connect your pump onto that, and it'll pump all four tires up to the same amount of pressure. That way you never, you know, same kind of deal, especially when you go to a store and uh, use like the outside air pump, you never get them exactly right. I mean, you get them within a pound of each other, but this whole kit ensures they're a hundred percent equal. Um, and I, I'm just going to search for all wheel inflator. Uh, now it's just more inflators, but trust me, they make this. It's big in the off-roading community, especially in the Jeep markets and stuff like that. That's actually where I've seen them. The uh, the local guys here, I think it's the uh, Nova Scotia or Pitt County Jeep Association or something like that. One of the guys there had them, and it was just it was slick. I have no idea what they cost, uh, but literally, it's just a, it's four hoses that come into one hose, and you connect your pump there, and it pumps all four tires evenly at the same time. Once it hits, you know, your 35, 32 to 35 or 40, whatever you happen to be running in your tires, where you're going, uh, you just shut her down, and everything's even. That sounds awesome. I, I will be looking for one of those, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, uh, this is the big thing. Um, I watched an awesome video a while back where there's this couple that went down in. I say awesome, but it had a poor, poor turnout. Uh, there was a couple in Australia. They went back to this sort of like dry lake, uh, just exploring. They weren't from the area. They had this four by four pickup. They got way back there uh, and sunk in the sand on this lake. Uh, by hook or by crook, I think the husband decided to walk home and the wife stayed with the truck. The husband, I believe, died on the way back. Uh, when the people came and found them and got back to her, the guy got into the truck, deflated the tires, 10 PSI each, I think it was, started it up and drove it out. Like, as far as oh, he was concerned. Oh, I do remember you telling me about that before. They, they weren't really that stuck, but they couldn't get out and they didn't know what to do. And and it, it, it had a, a poor result is the fact that they just weren't experienced enough. They didn't have the knowledge to know that they had everything they needed to get free and didn't know how to deal with it. Dropping that tire pressure gives you a larger surface area, allows you to travel and get traction that you can't otherwise. Is it great for the tires to go for, on especially highway at high speeds and lower pressures? No, but on, on off-roading, it's actually somewhat safer. It absorbs your impact, gives you better traction. You do lose a little bit of mileage, but. Little known fact, when I was younger, stupider, and had more money to spend on motorcycles, when it was wet, that's how we got more traction on the rear tire to do wheelies. we drop it by about 10 PSI. <laughs> anyway, uh, Red Bear Tactical made a uh, comment. It's not hard to build one of those four-hose inflation kits yourself. Trail-rated YouTube channel has a DIY kit uh, video out. And I managed to find... Uh, I'm going to pull up the full site just because it's a little easier to see. So this is the... Uh, this is the whatever brand name this one is, and you can kind of see on the, the Jeep picture there how it's literally connected to all four tires, and it comes out to one flange, and it just inflates everything at once. This one's a little bit more, the you know, the ritzy version or ruzy version, whatever you want to call it. The one I looked at literally just threaded onto your valve stems like... Uh, like a normal little pump and you can kind of see the valve stem cap here that would do the the likewise thing this one's actually you know like 120 psi air hose it's got an air chuck on it and some air chucks on that side but you you don't have to get that fancy as um red bear tactical said there you you can probably make these kits 
uh, pretty easy, I would assume. And you see that one's patched right into the uh, to one of those mobile inflators. And this is how I seen it run. And I can guarantee you the one that I seen was not anywhere near that ritzy. And, and you know what? Yeah, I, I think this is a great system. And the fact is, just the way they're designed, they said you could hook them all up. As long as you got a valve on the, on the input. If you didn't have a pump, but you had three well-inflated tires and one partially inflated tire, if you had four slightly low tires, you'd be better off. So they will transfer all the air to that other tire. It's, it's a, you know, there's, there are systems where you can hook different two tires up to, to equalize the pressure between the two. Uh, but this this would allow you to do all four. Uh, I think this this is an awesome device. Uh, I do like it. Like I said, for you could probably make one on the cheap pretty easy. I would think. Oh yeah, uh, Princess Auto. I can sort of pitch it now. I, I'm not sure about how much it would cost us, but we could probably start selling them if, if people were that interested. Um, Troy saying. Oh, sorry. You make sure your compressor can handle the size of the tire you run. And that that's just it, too. If you're running, like, these high-pressure tires, and I have seen high-pressure tires, don't get me wrong, that are running, like, 60 PSI plus, uh, those little walmart jobs are not going to handle it. Like, they crap out right around 35 pounds. I have put them up to 40, um, but, man, they are struggling for it. In a bicycle tire, not so much. In a truck tire, definitely. Yeah. Uh, my old Ranger, like, two, three Rangers ago now, uh, when I was running back and forth to Middle Muscadabit every day for work, I used to maybe run my tires a little higher pressure than normal to increase my fuel mileage ever so slightly because the alignment was out, the tires were half balled, and it was a death trap to begin with, so one more thing really didn't matter. <laughs> and I can tell you, those, those pumps do not like to go up that high. Not at all. Like 32, 35 is their happy crap out spot. Years ago, I had a cheaper one, and it was interesting because it, it, it was extremely low volume, but it was extremely high pressure. I think it was it rated at 300 PSI, and honestly, you could easily kind of get that in something small like pop bottles. Don't ask mm. how I know that. Uh, <laughs> but but when you put it on like a truck tire, because I did, I had it on my Silverado one day, and I, and I was talking about this just the other day, uh, and I came in, I was talking to the wife, we were cooking supper, and it was taking forever to inflate the tire. And I forgot about it. I think we watched the TV show and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go out now and the tires are going to be just blown right off the truck. And I go out and it was still only at 36 PSI and the pump had cut out completely. Because like, it was too hot, shut down, thermal yeah. loaded. Yeah. Um, last little bit on the tr tire thing. Uh, Troy Miller, tractors at the firm, we fool around with air pressure all the time, makes a big difference on traction and ride, which is exactly the same as on the trucks in the back road. So, I mean, if you're doing it on farm equipment, makes sense that it'll transfer over to somewhere else, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in an off-road situation, there's a ton of advantages to lower pressure in your tires. And having a pump to get you back up when you get to the highway, you're heading home, it just makes a lot of sense. So a deflator kit and an inflator device just makes sense. And honestly, you're not doing it with a hand pump. I don't care who you are. It's just too much work. So something you can plug in, buy something reliable, that's a spot where I think investing a few dollars really makes some sense. All right. That's not important. I thought maybe somebody would send us a message. So on the topic of traction, we might as well move on to our next thing, which is the traction boards, which you actually have a set of. I have two sets. I have a black set and I have an orange set. And they unfortunately don't quite link together. But <laughs> that, that being said, they're both uh, on top of my, uh, my rig most of the time. Uh, they're unfortunately 
two inches too long to fit inside my roof rack. Like mm. my my mm -hmm. just kind of damp. <laughs> but I do love them. I got them locked in there. They they lock in great, and uh, they're an option. And honestly, you gotta kind of think about getting out of a stuck situation as as stages. This is to me stage two. Yeah. Um, stage one is well, I guess stage three if you want to look at it. stage. Stage one is having a vehicle that's capable of going where you're going. Stage two is when you've gone where you're going and you still get stuck because stuff happens. Then you drop the you have dropping the tire pressure to gain that option. Uh, if that still doesn't get you out, this is your next kind of to me getting something under your tires. I mean, I've seen people use floor mats. I've seen people use sticks. I've seen people use all kinds of things. Uh, but I have used these. I, I got a set for Christmas. Uh, just before my birthday, I got stuck. Uh, only a couple. This is a nice set because of some of the things. This Put is the not jack all hole set. in it. Yeah, this is not the exact set I have. It's a set I really like. Uh, but I did use them. Like The ones I have, I was able to use them as a shovel to get snow out from underneath the, the vehicle. I was able to jam them under the tires. It does get you some traction. But again stages uh if you're too stuck even getting up onto that it's going to be trouble so that lower pressure might get you onto that and get you moving to the next stage uh, but uh these things also have a few extra extra options so you can use them as small ramps so if there's there's a hole that you want to go over without dropping your tire down there and potentially bottoming your vehicle you can put them in a hole and and and, and, and deal with that uh you can use them to sort of level your vehicle for certain operations. I'm just trying to see if they had a, a weight limit to them, but I don't see it in the description right off the hop. But I'm sure there's a, let's see, that's their weight. Maximum load is 10 tons. So probably going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, they're going to bend and flex though. Like, oh yeah. So people do use them as bridges and ramps and they, I mean, they're going to form a little bit. They're not, you know, too rigid. It's going to shatter. Uh, but uh, they're designed to sort of really get you to traction. There's there's a bunch of these out. You can buy them for as cheap as around 50 bucks on Amazon. Uh, $70 area at Princess Auto and Canadian Tire. Uh, and then I think this set's around 100 They mm -hmm. have that jack pad and a few other things. Too. I think the Max Traction ones is, is one of the big names out there. Uh, I think they may go closer to 200 bucks. Yeah, so. and uh, I was just looking at Red Bear Tactical. Good high lift jack helps you so you can get your vehicle up and stuff under your tires. And I agree. Uh, the only reason I never included the like jack all or high lift jack or something like that is uh, a lot of people get hurt with those. Not because of the jack's fault, because they don't do the proper... Um, practice maybe with it they, they tend to fail in getting them uh level and some of them don't understand how the jacking and the releasing system works on them so they're they're an awesome thing um but you definitely need a little follow-up on them and and with like the jack all like the farmer's jack or whatever you want to call it uh you can even use that in the right as as like sort of like a wench type system like <laughs> red bear literally just typed the same thing 
Red Bear's too much like me. He has to go. <laughs> Almost like there's some family resemblance in there or something like that. It's just weird. You should have seen pictures when we were both young, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, another great idea. Um, I do like these, the idea of these ramps. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see. You got yours a little later, later in the system. Uh, no, later year in the system. Holy crap. A little later in the year, didn't you? And it was kind of a crappy year. We didn't have a whole lot of snow and stuff like that. I'm curious to see how they're going to hold up uh, over the summer and yeah. how it works in mud and things like that because mud tends to get slimy. I, I'm not skeptical. I'm just excited to see how they perform. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm really hoping they work awesome, to be honest. I should have called you on the weekend because I got bored one day. I was like, man, I got to do something. And everyone else in the house was kind of like, blah, I don't want to do nothing. So I took off and I just went behind Shuby here, just north of me. And there's a plethora of dirt roads back there that I didn't realize were so good. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I found these roads on, on Google Maps. And I got back to a spot and I went back and I could see where somebody else had gone up this road. So I was like, I'll follow. And I went on up and I got to a spot where he turned around and I looked at the little head. I'm like, oh, it's a bit shady. I'm looking around. It's like I don't see anyone. Like the last couple of houses I seen looked like they were bombed or something. Like they were deserted. Starting to get desolate. So, so I was like, oh, maybe I should just turn around. So I turned around. I got into like a little field. Turned around and came back out. As soon as I got back out, like I, I just got back to what you'd call like a semi-civilized road. Here's another four by four truck coming up my way. I was like, maybe I should follow him. But no, I, I hit a few different roads and stuff. But I had those, I, I just remounted those onto my vehicle just because if something went wrong, I'd have half a chance. But really, it'd be great to have a buddy with you at the time to sort of help uh, or at least another vehicle to hook onto if you if you did get yourself in a, in a bad situation. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to trying these out and exploring some new areas. And it's it gives me a level of confidence. Um, that I have something to help if, if things go a little wrong. So. And it, it, it's good. It's good to have in the tickle trunk. You know what I mean? But let's say these didn't work. So moving on next, and I do have some samples here too, but this is the one that uh, you had thrown on here to chat about as well. This is a come along system. And I have something similar. Uh, and, and I guess just before we change on the, the jackals there, Red Bear Tactical mentioned that ARB makes a new high lift jack that's hydraulic instead of mechanical. So it would probably eliminate some of that user error on there. But he says he doesn't know if you can winch with it. So the option out there if you want to check it out. But uh, th this is kind of like um, a hand winch. Yes. Literally, it, it's a hand winch. That's what a come along is. Uh, now, I have something similar in my truck. I didn't dig it out. It's not a come along. It's a uh, six-ton, honestly, it's a six-ton ratchet strap, but it's it's built in a system much like this. It's just a strap yeah. versus cable. So, um, I like the come along. Um, it has its limitations. It's relatively slow. It, it does produce quite a bit of power. I've used these to pull roots out of the ground. So, like, yes. When they get taunt, like I've brought these up taunt enough that I've walked across them like tight ropes. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some plans with mine. I'm actually planning on taking all the metal rope out and replacing with am steel. Am steel synthetic, yeah. And that that's probably more what I would do. I'm not a big fan of cable. Um, not that I, I believe cable will fail. It's just cable's a little trickier to maintain if it starts to fray. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, there's other people out there that'll roll their eyes and tell me otherwise, and that's fine. Teach their own. But, uh, yeah, no, these things are great, man. You, like you said, you pulled out roots. I've moved buildings with them. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Some round sticks and a set of come-alongs, man. I could move a house. Guarantee I could. 
Oh yeah, no, for sure. The the thing with the state steel cable, and I love steel cable. Don't get me wrong, is when you put it under tension, there is a massive amount of power stored in that cable, and when it lets go, it comes at you with the wrath of all God. Like it will cut things in half. It will destroy shit. Uh, the synthetic rope, it's probably still gonna hurt you. But not to the same level. It won't necessarily cut you through. It's going to probably leave you you bruised, maybe bleeding. It may rip some of your clothes. That stuff, it it comes out like claws, and it, it literally cuts. There's awesome videos. I didn't want to look up uh, vehicle recovery accidents, I think is, is, is some of the words you can do, uh, or, or uh, steel cable snapping. And they have, like, pictures of mannequins where they just literally decapitate mannequins. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, boating accidents that use cable too. Same kind of thing. Uh, And something that will eliminate, not eliminate, but help mediate that is there's things called wench bags. uh, And they're basically like sandbags in a a blanket that you throw over. And if something happens, it'll kind of contain some of that force. Uh, And Troy made a a comment here that says chain come-alongs work much nicer. Um, Do you mean chain come-alongs or do you mean cinch pines? Troy, can you help me out there a little bit? Because I I thought about mentioning cinch pines, but they're even slower than an actual set of come-alongs. Or do you mean like an actual set of come-alongs that has chain in them? Because I've never actually seen a pair. You can get a hoist system that's very similar that uses chain. And it's it's kind of like the chain acts as a gear system too. So that you, you... uh, I mean, you use them for taking uh, engines out of cars and stuff. You just turn it sideways. Works. And those I've time. seen. I, I've seen these wench style that you're talking about. But I, I, if Troy's talking about like an actual like ratcheting handle system like these, I I've never seen one. So I was I was just curious. But uh, yeah, those um, those wench type there, they'd be great too, I suppose. I mean, this particular setup that we have up here, it it has its own. Um, snatch block on it so that's mm. how it doubles its power doubles its power halves halves uh halves its distance type deal halves uh, its speed too you're going half the speed but twice the power um yeah. oh kind of along the lines of this i did bring in my uh just toe strap which uh this comes out of the truck i've used it a good many times to pull a good many of vehicles out of holes uh and i do have a snatch block that goes with this but uh, i couldn't find it immediately in the toolbox but between this and my, um, like my my strap come alongs or ratchet straps, I like to call it, uh, and a sna- uh, snatch block, man, you can move a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong, we're kind of to the point in the show now where we're talking about stuff that it may be not going to be your everyday carry. Um, but good stuff to have if you're definitely going to be going out and doing some back roads. And uh, if you're doing rock crawling and heavy duty uh, off roading and things like that, you may want to look into some you know, wenching and things like that. But uh, this is good stuff. You can do a lot with this. Uh, Might take you a little bit more time, but generally it's not such a big deal to take a little bit more time if it means going home that night. You know what I mean? And and this is a personal opinion. There's going to be people that will argue with me, and I know this because I've argued with people about this, but I'm a lot more about the slow and steady method in getting myself out than the rushed method. And the problem is some people will hook a big heavy strap on, hook it to a second vehicle and just pluck until you get the vehicle out. But every pluck is taking a large amount of force and concentrating it in a very small period of time. Mm -hmm. What 
you can do if you don't have everything solid enough line of system something will tend to break bend or deform uh, much more readily where this steady strong strain and and using all your tools may prevent you from creating some damage that's going to cost you a lot in the long run i'm, I'm very much against the plucking method uh, because i i have experienced personally loss of equipment to that uh, i don't know what your thoughts on that i'm much like not. you the slow and steady wins the race kind of deal that's kind of one of the reasons i've never incorporated a wench into any of my trucks um i've always gone with the toe straps and uh ratchet strap or come along or cinch pine method uh a little bit more controlled generally i'm going to be by myself uh, i can see things a little better go a little slower take a few pulls look to see what's happening as we're with a wench and people that can use wenches are great at using wenches you know what i mean don't get me wrong uh but i find I probably have a tendency to buy a wench that's a little cheaper, probably around the three to four hundred dollar mark, or I should be buying one that's around you know the fifteen hundred dollar mark that has some nicer features that would keep me from destroying stuff. So I just know myself, <laughs> and it's easier just to go slow and steady and save myself uh, a few dollars in the long run than probably just hook onto the biggest tree I can find and crank the button until it comes out. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, th I think with a wench they generally recommend you double the weight of your vehicle. Or you're oh, that you're planning and I'm pulling, uh, so that's kind of an interesting number. It's a lot of force, right? Um, but you know, it's a wench definitely has its its purpose right now. I just don't have one, uh, and it's not in my immediate future to buy and install one. Uh, someday I, I think I would like one uh, because I think it gives you a little bit better one person control one person can operate a winch and get yourself out where with the come along it, it, it takes a little bit more effort or you or you, you have to split it like you can't do operate the vehicle and to come along at the no. same time and that that's a good point i mean don't get me wrong got a winch in the atv and it works great uh i've also seen a lot of people destroy their atvs trying to pull them out with winches you know what i mean so that's that's only my real experience and kind of my mentality as it goes. It's important to realize that, and, and I can't believe I'm saying this, brute force is not always the answer. <laughs> uh, and just hooking something up and saying it's got to come is isn't always going to be it's going to come. Something's going to come. Yeah, right? something's going to give, but it may not be what you want it to be. No, Um so taking your time and thinking things through can oftentimes save you a lot of trouble. Like, like I said, a lot of people that have hooked a wench to something may have gotten out had they just dropped their tire pressure mm. a little bit, or had they just stuck something under the tires, had they not gone directly to the wench because it was there, it was quick and easy, they may have actually put themselves in a worse situation than they needed to. On the other side, there are people who would never have gotten on stock if it wasn't for the wench or the, you know, that type of system. Um, but I did watch a really great video a little while ago where the guy actually talked about it and he had a wench and he said, he's never used the wench to get himself out. He's always gotten it out with tire pressure and, and traction boards, but he's used his wench to get many others out. So. Yeah. And that's where a wench kind of comes in handy too. Uh, you can use it 
a little bit more readily to get other people, especially if you're team driving. Uh, so Troy said McGregor Industrial sells those chain wenches as well. Um, so I may actually have to pop in and take a look at that. And Red Bear Tactical apparently is running a Xeon 10K on his Jeep, loves it, has a wireless remote, and has saved his clutch loads. So, like I said, they have a place. I'm, I have nothing against wenches. I just don't have a big experience with one. And I really want to get more experience with one before investing into one to put on my truck. You know what I mean? So, that, that's my only two cents on that. Brian, um, for one, is a custom-built front bumper for me. Then I'm going to look at the wench to go in it. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm sure I could mount one on the Ranger. Uh, there's a lot of room up front. Uh, and I'm they probably make, uh, I know they make an aftermarket bumper that has a wench plate mounted into it, but I'm sure I could figure something out on that without having to spend $700 on a custom bumper. I've always been partial to the concept of, and I've seen, seen a lot of trucks with it, like the front hitch. Mm -hmm. So two inch receiver in the front and the back and having your wench mounted in a, on a two inch receiver, uh, two inch yeah, receiver, I think is the word. Uh, but with that way to be able to move to the front and back, because you don't always want to continue going forward. At some point, you may realize that forward is just into worse, where maybe the ability to winch yourself backwards would be useful. And I think the idea that I could take it off and put it in the back or take it off and put it up to the front would be quite useful to me in, in some periods of time. So I like that concept. Uh, if I had a winch, that's think how I would have it. And I would just run wiring and cap it on either end so that when i want to use mm -hmm. it it's there and red bear also says a good steel bumper is a great upgrade as well i'm lucky enough that uh, on my new ranger uh came with steel bumpers steel skid plates uh i bought the off-road package in along with it and i'm incredibly pleased with it so i have to attest a good steel bumper will get you out of uh, a lot of damages when you're back roading uh, not that it will look great. They make it scuffed, make it slightly dented, make it chipped, but it won't break off like a plastic bumper will. Uh, and I've been on the receiving end of both of this. I've maybe come down a little too hard on some rocks and banged off the bumper and skid plates and they took a little bit of a dent and oh well, life moves on. And I've also done the same in maybe something that did not have a uh, steel bumper and then you're stuck there and you either got to go forward or backward and you know the plastic's coming off regardless of which way you move. So. And I just thought the bumps on a steel bumper made it look better. I mean, some of them look <laughs> neat. Some of them look nice. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of the major stuff for um, on the vehicles. I have a bunch of other minor stuff over here. So if you're good with it, Ben, I'm just going to flash us some stuff. You give your two cents on it, and we'll just kind of hammer it out fairly quick we're in like 46 minutes of the episode here and i don't want to drag it out too too long because i still have quite a bit of stuff on this table here okay, to hammer through so, uh a big thing and and we're kind of getting back into the realm of stuff that i would 100 percent carry 100 percent of the time as well and this is in the car the truck the atv anything that basically leaves the house and a lot of the stuff's even on the motorcycle uh and the first thing that i had up there which i was me we were joking about at the start with first aid kits. And literally, that's the first aid kits from my ATV, the car, and the truck. Yeah. So, and different sizes there, as you can see. Um, and I mean, in the truck, at one point, I was even running the equivalent of a crash bag. Or something very similar to a crash bag that actually had, like, uh, OBGNs and stuff like that in it, too. Like, it had airway uh, stuff, which might have been a little more, but I had access to it. So, I figured, why not? 
you never know where I do work in the fire service. You never know what you're going to send up, uh, end up seeing, you know what I mean? Cause I was responding to calls and stuff like that, but it was overkill. Uh, and I've since taken it out and gone down to these box type stuffs. And I mean, th these are great. These have tons of stuff in them. Um, this was my truck kit for the longest time until I got the bigger one. And I mean, I got everything from basic splints in here for like, uh, wrist, fingers, hands, minor moldable splints, things like that folded up in there. That is, it's just great stuff to have. Uh, and going along with those was the other thing that I, I showed you there, which is like these burn dressings. And everybody's like, well, why do you need burn dressings? Um, the first time you got to dig under your vehicle uh, and you accidentally hit something hot, you'll find out why you need a burn dressing is the only thing I can say. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen burns on everything. I've, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen people burn themselves on a ton of stuff. Uh, wiring, uh, exhaust, uh, tires uh breaks uh you name it it's it happens and it happens easy yeah uh so so just be aware of that uh i likewise have some nice uh first aid kits in my vehicles uh my van i think probably has the better one right now although uh the scout as we've nicknamed it is getting equipped with better and better stuff every day so that's kind of our goal uh with that first aid yeah you can't knock it i mean you're and getting stuck. The likelihood of getting hurt goes up with the frustration, with the messing around, you know, stuff you're going to be doing. Your, your, your likelihood, possibility of getting hurt goes up. Having the ability to deal with that and preventing this from escalating over and over again is going to uh, be invaluable. And a great question uh, Scott just asked there. How long do you suppose uh, those meds and FAKs are good after the due date? Ever get a mind, I look at the meds, burn creams, etc. are always expired. So when it comes to medications, uh, if they're expired, I wouldn't trust them. Uh, that, that's like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I'm not going to tell you anything like that. If, it, if it's like an actual medication, like I, I take Losec for heartburn. Um, once they're expired, I just turf them. I just renew my prescription. I fill all my stuff up. They're good for like two years or something like that. So I just check them at the start of the year. I only carry a handful in each one of my first aid kits. And literally that is part of my first aid kit because if you get stuck somewhere and you get really bad heartburn, you got to sleep and you can't sleep, it's just bad for everybody. So even little things like that. Uh, now, when it comes to like burn gel, for instance, and I am not a doctor, first and foremost, I'm not giving you medical advice on this, but my opinion, I would take my chance with it personally uh it's better than nothing uh but that being said I, I i don't know honestly i would definitely try to replace it when expired but at the same time i mean it's i hope it's not going to make stuff worse would be what goes through my mind but i mean i had some polysporin and some ozenol in one of my kits that i can guarantee you was a year overdue and i've used it uh and had no ill effects and maybe it's just because i was lucky i don't know that's definitely something that uh you should probably Maybe ask somebody with a little bit more medical knowledge than us, but that is just my personal opinion. So there are some very, really good videos on this subject. There are some uh, good articles on this subject. There is, there is documented evidence of the effect of age on medicines, um, and that's worth looking up. I'm going to back you up here 100% and say we aren't medically qualified to tell you what to do, uh, but I can suggest that is something that you can do research on. A general consensus, though, 
is out of date medicine is better than no medicine, but you can reasonably expect diminished uh, results um, from expired medicine. What the rate is and stuff that there is, there is evidence for that, and it's worth looking up. Uh, and it's probably worth looking up for your specific medicines too. Like Wosec for me, it's, I'm, I don't want to say cheap, but it's inexpensive for me to replace. So I just replace it. Now, if it was something that was a lot more expensive, I, I don't know. But uh, I have a great guest speaker recommendation on this topic. I'll send my, okay, Steve, that'd be great. We'd love to have somebody on like that. Um, that might be able to offer a better opinion on it. Like I said, we are not medical professionals. Uh, Ben has some experience with, um, search and rescue and first aid. I have some experience with the fire service and first aid, but that that's like the limit of our knowledge. We are not, we're not paramedics. We're not doctors. We're not giving you medical advice. We are giving you personal opinions and that is, uh, our liability disclaimer right there. So if anybody runs out and says, well, Ben and Robert said, no, Ben and Robert did not say. They gave yes. their opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and just realize that we do have to be somewhat careful with what we say for things like that because, you know, we don't want to stare anyone wrong and we don't know absolutely everything. But we try our best to know what we do know. Um, but uh, that is a little out of our wheelhouse, out of respect for the medical community and people who spend a lot more time and money into this than we do. Uh, so... Next up. You and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Great topic. And, you know, you get me drunk on the side of a fire, and I will probably go on about that in private for hours on end. <laughs> well, my question was always, poison has an expiry date. After expires, is it more or less poisonous? The things I think about by myself at night when I can't sleep. <laughs> so the other thing i carry or one of the other things i carry in uh my truck in the toolbox i carry a pot and it's just literally one of the ones that's out of one of my old cook kits it's not a great pot but it's a pot and i have used this i've just been out banging around and i usually carry like a uh, one of my day packs and i've talked about those countless times in different podcasts like rice and oatmeal and crap like that i just vacuum seal it and throw it in the truck at the start of the year and none of it goes bad over the course of a year and i have actually eaten some of that stuff gone out been gone longer seen some stuff i wanted to keep exploring made a bowl of rice you know what i mean uh, along with the pot i generally have uh, a bottle of water or at least the sawyer mini or something like that with me where i can you know get a drink and blah 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 but that that's that is in my truck 100% of the time. I don't expect everybody to have that 100% of the time, but it, it's an idea if you have the room. It has uh, saved me a few times from going hungry, if nothing else. Uh, thoughts on that, Ben? Uh, on the pot itself, not exactly, no. Um, I, I do like the concept uh, a lot. Just, so I just need to deal with the volume here. Okay, uh, so I'm just going to keep rolling on, man. Uh, I, go ahead, yeah. I think you're going to go into something I was going to say anyway. Oh, no, you go right for it. I, I don't want to I just say I, I, have, I have a little bit of like a camping kit that, that I I have done up that's going to just, that just slides into my vehicle mm -hmm. for when I'm out and about. And that's kind of what this does too. It all kind of fits inside itself. Like there's a candle, an emergency candle. We've talked about these before. 
I have something to do for this one. Like just a, a candle, you know what I mean? It, it's You can get a little heat off it. Uh, you'd be surprised, like this is one of those smokeless survival candles. Uh, you'd be surprised how much heat this would give you if you are stuck in your vehicle and you make up like a pop can reflector uh, and crack your window, of course, to have a little ventilation. It'll keep the chill away and it gives you something to stare at, nothing else. And along with that, I have like a glow stick, um, flashlights. You know what I mean? Like, I, I carry one of these on the keychain of all my vehicles. It's one of those little O lights you've heard me talk about. Uh, these were a go. I got them for like 10 bucks. They're nice and bright. I charge them very rarely and they keep working. So I have nothing but good things to say about them. Uh, maybe a tiny bit overpriced for what you're getting sometimes, but same kind of deal with that. Uh, so yeah, generally some sort of lighting device in case you break down or you got to see under your vehicle. You know what I mean? That, that's what that comes down to. Because I have been, like, in the back of the woods, knock the exhaust off. And you got to get under there. You got to... Actually, once I was out and I dropped the gas tank. The the center strap broke and the whole tail end fell. And that my ratchet strap saved me. Uh, I actually carry real ratchet straps along with my, you know, cinch strap. Um, and I was able to crawl under there with a flashlight, cinch it up. Uh, lucky enough, I only had, like, a quarter of a tank of gas. Got it into place. Got myself out of the woods. You know what I mean? Um, I carry road flares. But uh, that's just because I had access to road flares, and I, I like the idea of road flares. And I've used these for different things. They kind of serve a double purpose. One, if you're lost in the woods, they're a signaling device. Two, it's a potential way of starting a fire. Uh, three, they can be used as a road flare if you break down and you're on a dark road and your lights are out. Like, you can literally use these for what they're recommended to. I, but I don't carry these in all the vehicles. You know what I mean? Like I carry one in the truck and I carry, sorry, I carry these two in the truck and I have a smaller one that I carry in the ATV. But it's, uh, these are probably coming up on expiration. So once they go, I am probably not going to buy more, honestly. But they were nice when I had them. Uh, heater packs. I carry a couple of those in the glove box along with these cold shower packets. Same kind of thing, you get stuck out in the woods. If you need to keep your hands warm or your ears warm, I have broken these open and shoved in my hat. If I had a hat that was too thin or something like that, and I have used these to clean myself, my hands if, you know, I had to fix something on the truck or I got stuck overnight or decide to stay an extra night, you can kind of get cleaned up. We've talked about stuff like that in the past, so I'm not going to bore you on that. Anything, Dad? I want to say something. So I carry a jar style candle and there's a couple of reasons for that I, i'm more comfortable lighting that in the vehicle than just an open candle and my jar style candle like this one here that sits in front of me this is similar to the one i keep in my vehicle it says 110 to 140 hours that is a lot of burning i was gonna say i had a giant candle here once that was supposed to be good for some ridiculous amount of time i don't know if it was that long but i don't know where it is anymore uh so Literally, you could be like you can light that on a Friday, and on a Monday you'll still have light and heat. You know, so that there's something to be said for that. I, I do like it. You can. I, but I'm what scent is it though? Stephen wants to know. <laughs> this particular one is Melon Delight. <laughs> See, our boy is a Melon Delight kind of guy. But um, Red Bear Tactical axe and shovel in all vehicles. I carry an axe. Uh, if I know I'm hitting into the backwoods, I have a chainsaw. He said a bow saw as well, but like, I just throw my chainsaw in back. If I know I'm hitting the back roads, like I know I'm going out, I just throw the chainsaw in back. Comes in a case, fire it in. I, it's just great if you're going up the road and there's a tree down. You know what I mean? 
It's not much of a rescue tool so much as a you-can-keep-going kind of tool in my eyes. I'm seriously looking at the cordless chainsaw. The yes, we have battery. talked about these before, and if you get one, I'm curious to see what your results are. Like a DeWalt cordless battery operated, eh? DeWalt, Echo, Eco, both have ones that are kind of really interesting. DreamWorks, Yardworks. Milwaukee uh, has one. Milwaukee. I have seen a couple review ones. There's a couple that are really standing out. I'm just going to watch to see if I can find a bit more. I, I will research this to death, and then eventually I'll have this overwhelming urge to own one, and I'll buy it. But I see a lot of advantages to this. Um, and if I do that whole battery system, if I get the right one, like say I go with a DeWalt, I can also have an angle grinder. Like you talked about welding and stuff. I could have a few and they'll all use the same battery system. Uh, so I have some, some thoughts there that I really want to get into. So. Uh, so Scott asked, do you guys keep a kit uh, to grab in case you need to abandon the vehicle? A get home kit. Um, I don't keep a specific kit per se so much as everything that would be in a get home kit is generally in my vehicle and I can throw together a kit as I'm going. Uh, I haven't mentioned it yet, but just like I keep my summer sleeping bag under the seat. Uh, it's in here airing out right now because when I pulled it out last time, it smell, smelled very musty and it's not rated for winter anyway. So it was good to, time to get it, you know, cleaned and aired out. Now I got to fold it up and throw it back in my seat. But I mean, like there'd be a sleeping bag. Everything that I have in my truck, I could... I generally carry some sort of bag in my truck. I could jam in a bag and it would be my get home kit. So I, I, I guess everything I keep in my truck is kind of my get home kit. It's whatever I needed to be kit. I'm, I'm in the process of redesigning mine, uh, for that similar purposes. Um, I do want, I got a couple of problems. I have too much camping gear in my immediate vicinity <laughs> and I need to move it. So I am planning, I am, I have a bunch of these black, uh, plastic totes and I'm setting them up for different situations so I can just grab the appropriate tote and slide in and they fit perfectly in the back of my vehicles so they're very convenient uh, and that's what they're going to be set up with is sort of like a spend a week in the woods type setup so that if I get in there I can grab it and go so it'll have a path it'll have the sleeping bag it'll have a fire system it'll have everything I need in a combined kit that I can sort of go clean and, and easy and easily moved around uh, to the appropriate spots. I have, to get a, I have a get home bag with me at work all the time and I don't leave it in my work truck so I don't end up in my Jeep all the time. So Red Bear Tactical has one. Uh, so yeah, these get home kits, a lot of people use them. They're not a bad idea, honestly, but like I said, everything in my vehicle is just kind of my get home kit and I pack it and move it as I need it. Now, as I, a couple more things that I kind of have. Uh, oh, one thing I did want to say about the road flares, and I've said it in past um, videos. If you do have road flares, don't store them in. Don't store them in a Ziploc bag. Uh, these can sweat potentially uh, and cause you all kinds of problems. So they do need a little airflow. Um, so yeah, other things I keep. I actually have a small fire extinguisher, and I don't have the charged kind. I have these powdered chemical kind. Uh, simply because I know I don't have to recharge it. Uh, you just kind of, these are the chainsaw style ones, which funny enough, I carry one with my chainsaw as well, but, um, I've actually used these to put out a fire in a vehicle. So they, they do work. They're just dry chemical, ABC, and the charging is you squeezing. <laughs> my father had a set of those he kept in the three wheeler. 
yeah, I keep one in the ATV, I keep one in the truck, I keep one in the chainsaw. They're, they're just great little things. Like, they'll, they'll do some work, you know what I mean? Um, and I guess just kind of the quick glass ones, I always carry a pair of gloves, some sort of stocking cap, regardless of what time of year it is, because you never know. If your ears get cold, your ears get cold. You just want something to warm them up. I like the hood style, because uh, you can roll it up and wear it just on the top of your head, or you can pull it down if you need the extra bit of warmth. I like these rubber-palmed gloves, simply because they add a little water protection. Um, and I generally keep a clean t-shirt and pair of pants under the seat of my truck as well. Uh, also for the fire service, because I keep, uh, in case I'm wearing, you know, jeans and like a dress shirt, you don't want to wear that under your fire gear. Uh, it gets very uncomfortable. So I always try to keep like a t-shirt and, you know... A proper pair of pants that I can change into if I need to in a fire scene. It just doubles if I happen to be out in the woods and need to get changed into some dry clothing. Uh, and a good pair of warm socks. And then the last couple things I have here is literally a spare bandana. Um, some paracord. And this is that Seacook uh, stuff. It has like the, the fire. It's got the multi-braids in it. I'll put the link up. It's got like fishing line in it. Some fire starter. Uh... I don't know. I, I can't remember everything that's in there. I'd have to cut it open to see. And I already sealed the ends and I don't want to get into that. And I keep uh, a basic small tool kit. And I mean, this is just a couple nut, uh, like it's a nut driver setup. I keep some pliers, wire cutters, some zip ties, some bailing wire. That all sits in my toolbox and literally just for their kind of bail out situations. Yeah. Uh, I have a bigger socket set. I keep in both my vehicles. Um, uh, something I can't say too much good stuff or enough good stuff about uh, snare wire and duct tape uh, can get you out of a ton of situations. I, I also keep a multimeter in my vehicles generally. Uh, so just, you know, figure out the tools. If you really actually take the time to figure it out, most vehicles actually only need a handful of tools to get 90% of it apart. So if you can look at it, you can identify that your vehicle is mostly metric or imperial. Uh, you'll probably find that like half inch or 13 mil uh, will do a ton of work. Uh, figure out what it takes to get your battery out, to get most components out under your dash. Make sure you got the right size for your, your wheel lugs. You can actually make a pretty efficient kit that's kind of small. I generally just buy what Canadian Tire has on the best sale on the week I need to stuff and go in and buy the 200 kit piece and just slide the back of the vehicle. So this is the one out of my ATV. Uh, and I've literally disassembled 90% of the ATV with this kit. Uh, some of the tighter bolts, a little trickier, obviously need a ratchet. And I think since I have thrown in a quarter inch ratchet uh, and a quarter inch breaker bar, which just wasn't right in the top of the box, so it didn't come in with me. But like you said, it's surprising how few tools you actually need to pull something apart when you take the time to focus on it. And years ago, you know, like you say, your ATV, like my motorcycle, you go out there and there's a little panel you take off and there's a tiny little toolkit that will get 90% of your vehicle stripped down. And it's like three screwdrivers, uh, four or five sockets, and a, uh, I think a plug wrench. That's all that's in it. And it'll get you out of a jam. It'll allow you to adjust your, your brakes, your chain, change your spark plugs, uh, retighten your exhaust, all these things that you need to be done, you can do with these basic kits. So definitely something 
worth figuring out. Uh, take the time to figure out what your vehicle needs and do. Or just overkill like I like to do, because you never know what you're going to run across when you're back there. And that's the and, thing. I didn't want to pull the whole kit out of my truck because it's, like you said, it's one of those clamshell-style uh, socket sets. And I just didn't want to be bothered trying to dig that thing out of the toolbox. <laughs> I, I have a buddy I can call, like, anytime, and I know, like, he'll drop what he's doing. He'll come help me. And when he opens up the back of his SUV, like, he's got ramps, he's got a jack, he's got every tool in the engine, man, he's got diagnosis tools. Like, I have a mobile mechanic I can get hold of when I need it, so uh you know make good friends that's that's something that's great <laughs> and that's the idea to keep in mind when you're doing this stuff you're not trying to be a mobile mechanic i mean if you are that's great but you're just trying to get yourself out of a bind right like to be able to change a tire do you have a wheel wrench in your vehicle it's something worth checking most vehicles have a spot for a wheel wrench and a jack of some sort uh you know what i mean uh, make sure it's there make sure you know how to use it there's a lot of people don't know how to use a scissor jack make sure it's actually functional uh you mentioned like the scissor jack. Uh, if you have a truck or an SUV, let's take mine for an example, and you went through the trouble of put say a two or three inch lift on it, and then you put some oversized tires on it, there's an awfully good chance that scissor jack is not going to get your tire off the ground. Nope, because it was designed for stock height. It's designed for stock height. So if you've modified your vehicle, you're going to have to put a block in there or, or a different jack or 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 deal with those things. So do do take into thought everything that's involved. And then if you're off-roading, chances are your ground is not as solid as that stock kit is expected to be working on on pavement or concrete. So maybe you need a block just to distribute the weight. Otherwise, that jack's probably just going to go down and your vehicle is not going to go up at all. Uh, and you've just buried your jack and you're still not in the air. So take these things into account uh and and that's where the armor jack that that high lift jack does come in handy uh, mm. but know how to use that because you can do a lot of damage with one of those so. and that's it a little bit of practice same as we say with everything a little bit of practice makes perfect try your stuff at home in good conditions to know just not to insult your intelligence or anything like that but honestly just to make sure you know how it works so it doesn't look like you're insulting your intelligence when you get out there and those high lift jacks are a prime example. They're a great jack, providing you know how to use one. Or, like you said, you can do a ton of damage with one in a very short amount of time. A lot of vehicles, there's nowhere to hook one. Like, where are you Where are you putting that jack to jack against? Uh, I've, seen, I've seen a pretty good example where someone had one, thought it was great, got it in. And as soon as he started jacking, he ripped the side of his door off because... It just didn't hook to his vehicle. His sides came out too round. He couldn't get it up flush enough. And as he started jacking up, he put it on an angle, and the jacks just straightened up and went right into his into his door. Yeah. Yep. You know? So it pays to check it out. Great but, tool, Ron job. Exactly. But I think that's that's kind of the uh, we're coming up on the hour and ten minutes. Uh, so I think that's that's kind of the, the basics of ideas. We're hoping that we just got the ball rolling in your guys' craniums there to think about what you like to take in your vehicle. And that's not necessarily if you're taking it back roads and stuff like that, because we talked about a lot of things are just good to have in your vehicle for your day-to-day -day use too. The big thing is, think about it and kind of customize 
what works for you. Like I said, I got spoiled. I got a toolbox that I can fill with junk. It just sits in my truck and it's literally for storing all my junk in to take along with my vehicle. That's the sole reason I bought it. Now, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't keep these things on back and I wouldn't throw them in the back seat. I'd have to reduce my kit again. So keep in mind what you have, what you want and what you want to do. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and yeah, as always, if you guys have ideas, thoughts, things like that, listeners out there not joining us on the live show, shoot us a message. Tell us what you like, uh, what you think are good. Uh, the steel bumpers on my Jeep have slots for the high lift jacks on them. Yeah, Jeeps are actually kind of nice because, I mean, Jeep was always designed as an off-road vehicle. I have my uh, toilet paper. Actually, you know what, Scott? I actually right do there. always have a roll of toilet paper in my vehicle. Um it's there's a half a roll in the cubby hole of Mel's car. There's a full roll in the toolbox of my truck. Those are in plastic bags, and they there will always be some in there. And that's just if you're going down the highway and nature calls and you can't get to a truck stop or a rest stop or something like that. Or uh, kids, they tend to not, uh, especially when they're younger, have you know the body awareness to be like, oh yeah, I need to pee uh, until about five minutes after the last stop, and it's right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? We tend to keep uh, a package of, well, uh, tissues, but also like a full package of wet naps mm. in both of those because it's, it's just infinite uses really with kids and you can clean your vehicle with it, you can clean yourself with it, you can clean your hands with it. Like there's there's a ton of reasons to have that. So uh, that's kind of our fault foods, but yeah. If anybody's looking for a life hack, baby wipes. Go to Walmart, buy the great big boxes of baby wipes for like $14 that come with six cases of them in there. I'm going to tell you right now, there is very little difference between the baby wipe and this cold shower pack or a wet nap. It's all the same with different packaging in my mind and works just as good. And just stick one everywhere. Like everywhere you go, just put one of those those things. That's just, that's a life solution. You will be amazed at how often you use them. Honestly, like I threw one in the ATV going, how often am I really going to use this? It's empty. I got to replace it. That's how often I use it. Just to clean your hands before you have a bite to eat. Yeah. No, I, uh, I think they're great. Um, yeah, I think we should probably call this, uh, you, you've kind of already tried, uh, but this is a subject that, I mean, me and you could sit here and we could talk for 10 hours. And at the end of that, we would still say, we need to stop. So. <laughs> like most subjects, or like most things, we just enjoy talking. So. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, that's an hour and 15 minutes. So uh, uh, we'll see you guys next week when we'll have another exciting topic uh, for sure. Uh, just remember, we are the number one bushcrafting podcast in the world. Uh, and we need your guys' help to maintain this, this position. So. And that was according to, I actually posted on the Facebook page. We're not just tooting our own horn here. Uh, we actually, I was doing, every now and then, you know how you Google your own name? Well, every now and then I like to Google uh, Bushcraft Podcast or, or the best Bushcraft Podcast uh, is actually what I Googled. And I'll, I will do it, uh, how about this, just to prove we aren't tooting our own horn. I will do it live. So the best... Wow. Maybe I shouldn't have done it live because I cannot uh, spell or anything while I'm going. But anyway, so the first one that comes up is the top 10 bushcraft podcast you must follow in 2021. And look, looky, looky, who is at the top of the list this time around. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of exciting. 
We've been on this list for a while. We haven't always been the top, but we are the top right now. So For today, anyway. For today. And that's thanks to you guys. Thumbs up on Only the video on YouTube. The like button. Here, I'll increase that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, keeps trying to get me to sign in. Anyway, that's that. Till next week, as Ben said. Have a good night, everybody. Night off.